0: Dickie Denton, what is the significance of the Platte Lane stand, Block E, Row 12, Seat 7?
1: That uh, wonderful plank of maroon wood was the seat uh, that was designated to me as my first season ticket in August 1979 at Main Road for the princely price of £4 English pounds oh per season
0: <laughs> Unbelievable! How much is it going to cost to get to? How much does it cost to get to Real Madrid?
1: Oh, that will be in the hundreds. Crikey! In
0: the, well, yeah, it's just a, it's a different world. And I used to go to Tottenham twenty years ago, and then when Alan Sugar sold it, I just and I watched Spurs and Gareth Bale and yeah. Luka Modric. I just thought this isn't the Tottenham I grew up with. This is the same yeah. shirt, but a different entity. So it's now kind of quicksilver rather than, like, yes. fool's gold.
1: When I, when I went to the last ever game at Main Road, which was in 2002, I paid more for the souvenir brochure, the clothing of Main Road, than I did for my first season ticket.
0: It's a fun game to play You Were Lucky, You Were Lucky, all, yes, about, yes. all about the past life. I mean, uh, the, one of my favourite anecdotes in this book, Feeding Blue, is the time that you fell asleep while listening to Club Call. <laughs>
1: Yes, yes, I was uh, I was I was working, and we were a, a entertaining customers, and I'd been out for a few few lagers and, and a curry and some cheap curry house wine, and um, I came back to my hotel hotel room, and and, and suddenly remembered City were, were were playing that night. It, it was something like the full members cup, the Simod cup, whatever its its latest iteration was, and so um, so this was in a day before the internet, um, mid nineties, um, and. I fumbled around with teletext, couldn't get it to work, and um, so so dialed the number was ingrained in in my mind oh eight nine eight twelve eleven ninety one good city club hall. Within ten seconds of dialing it, I'd just fallen asleep on the pillow. Uh, woke up about I don't know half an hour later, and this nasal voice uh, coming from the um, uh, from the phone was saying, "And now Quinero is in the thirty eighth minute to make it two one." Um, Hung, hung, on to, hung on to find a final score and slammed the phone down and uh, waited for the bill. And the bill was it was hundred and fifty plus. Um, oh, is... Had to explain to my boss. My boss was an, an old time Charlton Athletic fan, um, <laughs> uh, and he kind of got it. He kind of got it. He, he you know gave me a bit of a bollocking and then let, let it go.
0: There's also a lovely chapter of the book which ends in promotion and it's again very topical because the creator of Mr Ben about I'm I'm a bit young yeah. for Mr Ben but yeah. you describe yourself as having this surreal day watching City uh, get promoted and then you walk yeah. back and no one knows anything because they don't have the it's not like the end of Fever Pitch where everyone is celebrating yeah. in Islington um yes have you felt like Mr Ben since then a
1: little bit in 2012 once I got myself out of that bubble which was the place where we watched the game which was full of football supporters and a lot of people in in Singapore were fairly oblivious to it so it was a kind of... Going home from that, I remember talking to my taxi driver about 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 the game, and he, you know, just didn't register with him at all. And I was thinking, how can how can this not register? So yeah, a few moments, but, but that 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 first one, given given that you know, I was living in a leafy Bedfordshire uh, town, um, which was more rugby than than football, and uh, you know, Manchester City in the third tier didn't register on everybody's interest. They were getting on with their own little worlds where, where, as you say, I had my surreal adventure, Mr. Ben style.
0: Now, incredibly, when I went up to Edinburgh at university, the first person I met was a lovely lady called Naomi, and she was from a Bedfordshire town called Flittick. Really? Well, there
1: you go. It's a small world.
0: Which is where you moved from Leafy Finchley, where my dad used to live. (laughs) Um, I haven't lived in Connecticut. Dad lives in New York now. And we actually went yeah. to Yankee... Last time I went to the States, we went to Yankee Stadium and you could still see the markings on the pitch from Marking. when the yeah. football team had played there. Great. So you still follow what New York City are doing. Didn't they do very well last year?
1: Yeah, they did, yeah. I, I, it's, it's more of a, a, a passing interest. Now that I'm back in the UK, it, 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 it's kind of... i lost a little grip. I spent I spent most of 2020, actually, in, in, in Canada, so suddenly started taking an interest in, in uh, what Vancouver were doing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it's not something that I I, I stay up late to watch.
0: Does that mean you are now more likely to cheer on the Canadian national team at the World Cup this year, or don't you care about the World Cup because of what it represents?
1: No, no, I do care passionately about the World Cup, and I will be cheering England, and I will be taking a passing interest in Canada as well. Yeah, very, very, very Hmm. much so. I had a great time there for a year.
0: I think they'll be everyone's, apart from Scotland and Wales, if they get through against Ukraine, they've got an English manager, John Herman. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're looking really good, and we yeah, wish Canada well. Are there Canadian Man City fans? There must be.
1: Yeah, there, there, there are. There, there are quite a few. Unfortunately, the time where, when I was in, in Canada was was during COVID and and um, and lockdown, and so there was never opportunity to. To get together in a pub at some unearthly hour of the morning, or, or, or actually meet together physically, so it was, it was kind of kind of online out out, out in in Vancouver, but there wasn't, there wasn't the chance to, um, to to meet up.
0: Uh, there was a time when you asked to go to the UK in quotes for a meeting. What city <laughs> game were you going to watch at that meeting?
1: It was um 2000 it was two games to go in the season and uh we were playing birmingham city at home and if we won it there were that we could possibly be be promoted um if which failed to win the next day and so i had a boss who was a united fan actually uh he got football and kind of said look you know there's this meeting i think i should be going through and and um he kind of knew what it was about, and uh, yeah, he, uh, he he signed off me heading back to the UK. So I headed back and went to. Uh, we beat Birmingham one nil on the Friday night. Robert Taylor scoring the goal, and then uh, Ipswich won on the on the Saturday, which meant that uh, we had to wait until the following weekend to be promoted. When we uh, when we went, he would park against Blackburn Rovers and got back into the Premiership after a long four years away.
0: Yep, and then you were given at a peppercorn rent the Commonwealth Games Stadium and everyone (laughs) grumbles about it, but hey, you're not going to turn it down. Uh, I like how you talk about, and I extend this to the football, the functionality and efficiency of the Commonwealth Stadium, now the Etihad. And would you agree, Dickie Denton, that the football that Manchester City play today, i.e. against Real Madrid in the two games, and we're recording this before those Real Madrid games... It's functional and efficient.
1: Yes, it's, it's functional and, 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 and efficient, and technically brilliant, uh, and, and skillful, and, and tremendously e- exciting. Yeah, absolutely, would 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 agree? Yeah,
0: it's wonderful to watch. I mean, I, I unfortunately I can't watch it because I know where the money's come from, and I disagree with it. But if you take the money away and you appreciate how a lad from Stockport is now the new Gascoigne and how Mm. Mourinho bombed out De Bruyne, but Guardiola is using him as the messy figure. And he's such a nice guy, De Bruyne. Nothing's... He's just injured all the time because he gets kicked. Yes. It's a wonderful Uh, system.
1: It is. It is. And... and, uh... And and people talk talk a lot around uh, as, as if City have just gone out there and bought and looked at the top twenty players in the whole world and bought them, uh, which is not the case. They have developed a lot of those, those those players along the way, and obviously they look a lot better playing in it alongside better better players. But it's 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 not you know. Until Greedish, I don't think City had a player that registered in the top 25 um, transfers, um, highest transfers in in the world. And, and a lot of the players they bought weren't massive superstars. And you know, De Bruyne probably wasn't in the top 20 in the world when he came to City, but he has um, he has, has developed. And I know people and get that have, have issues with, with with the money side, and I feel conflicted at, at times in in many respects. But. You also look at how well it, it has been managed and, and, and just the, the skill in, in, in developing the ethos and, and, and the individual players. And all that money can't, can't buy the work rate and the hard work no. that is instilled in those players.
0: Vanson Company was not one of the world's greatest defenders when he joined Man City. I would, want, I would want to work for him. From what I've read about him, from his political leanings, I, want, I would want yeah. to be on his side. I'd want him... On my team.
1: Well, Vanson Company was not a defender when he joined City. He was a midfielder. He, he came as a, as, as a midfielder. Um, I think he was the last signing prior to the prior to the Abu Dhabi yeah. takeover. So he he, he predates Abu, Abu, Abu Dhabi just. Um, I remember he, I his debut played centre midfield against West Ham, wearing the number thirty three, and then then Mancini moved him into the back four, and then he became. Uh, um, you're just a colossal player and, and an even more colossal leader and in inspiration.
0: He is the figure Manchester United need now. Um, just looking at the last three league games, so the run in is Brighton, Watford, Leeds, and then after the Real Madrid game. And again, we don't know what's happened yet. We presume that somehow they're going to stop Benzema, um, but good luck. Um, Newcastle at home, West Ham away, Aston Villa. Ex of Jack Grealish. Jack Grealish's dad used to play for Villa as well. Those are the last three games. If Jack Grealish scores the goal to win Man City yeah. the title on the last day, is he going to celebrate? Oh, yes.
1: Yeah, he'll celebrate. <laughs> I'm sure he will.
0: It, he'll be fit for the Champions League final if City uh, reach it. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. the skill level of Jack... The fact that Jack Grealish can't get in this team because you've got... Is it Sterling? Foden
1: you've got, you got Jesus the last couple of games you got Silva sometimes plays in that, 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 uh, that front three but it doesn't altogether surprise me you know a lot of Pep players take one year to get it Bernardo took a year to get it Dungan took a year year to get it Aguero took a time to get it Leroy Sane took time to get Pep it doesn't it, you know I keep saying to people judge Jack Grealish at the end of his contract not at the beginning of his contract he, you know I, you know, I, I think it'll he'll come good.
0: It is a crazy workplace. I always treat football now. And you're in the football library. Dickie Denton's book mm-hmm. is Feeling Blue, a true story of love, life and belonging. And it's magnificent. And it's a white hardback, coloured in blue. And there are three figures on the front of it. Is one of them Gareth Barry?
1: No, so Porticoff. So, so I, I, right. I chose these three, three figures, yeah. Because I, I, I wanted to, to sort of take it back to... to players who had impacted on my relationship with City so Dickhoff on the left scored that goal and City wouldn't be where they were today um, without with, with, with Paul Dickhoff on that goal against Gilligan and he, he embodied the spirit of that club at the time not the most skillful player in the world but hard working and, 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 and led from the front um, then the one in the middle is Paul Lake, uh,
0: so Paul Lake. of course yes I'm, I'm too young but what a great book
1: <laughs> yes City's class of 86 was almost and I hope you take this right almost a Duncan Edwards of of, of of City. Lake is clearly still 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 with us, thank God. But but he was our great hope. He was he was a player who could play in any position on the pitch. He was he was um City youth team, academy, city fans through and through, come through, could play anywhere and he was the one who was gonna us to challenge United, and then then his his career was was sadly when he was in his early twenties um, cut short by injury and, and the mismanagement of that injury. So in a way, he also represents a City period in the, in, in the nineties where there was hope, but every time we had this hope, it was cut down Be it by club mismanagement or, or or bad luck or just the, the fate. So he 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 represents another era. The one on the right is Joe Corrigan, my first ever hero, City goalkeeper from from the the um, late sixties through to the early eighties. But but my relationship started in in the mid seventies, so so he was my first hero, Corrigan in, in in goal, and he wrote to me when I was a when I was a young City fan and sent me tickets to a to a game, and um, yeah, so that's Joe Corrigan.
0: Now we're talking just before Watford go to Man City and lose eighteen nil. Watford are reviving the Junior Hornets which um, was set up by a woman called Anne Swanson and the the family stand the section next to the away stand is named after Anne now as of uh, next season and Watford players would mix with the clubs Graham Teller said no we've got to get in the community I learned something in this book the Junior Blues came before the Junior Hornets and you were a member you got the um, signed photo you were pictured holding the League Cup when the players brought it in for the kids to wear but you, you were captured by Joe Corrigan the tall commanding goalkeeper wearing a green shirt it was just different and it. one of the things that as well as chronicling City from 1974 to, 19, to 2012 is chronicling yourself Dickie Denton yep. and we'll, we'll talk shortly about the vicarious thrills that you had in football uh, but you say you still have that photo of you and is it Paul Burns holding the league card?
1: That's right yeah, yeah Paul yeah, I do. So, this, so this was—I um, was born in Manchester, but I haven't lived in Manchester since I was since I was eight. So, so moved moved to Leeds in nineteen seventy seventy-five. But my, my my parents let me go go back and visit Paul, who was my old best friend from school in Manchester, and it happened to be one Sunday when the Junior Blues were were meeting in the social club. And I mentioned in the book that that Peter Swart Swales, much has been written about um. his reign in the city, but most of it not complimentary. But he founded who was the city chairman for, for so long in the 70s and 80s he founded the Junior Blues um, in about 74 and so so the, a junior supporters club and and we would meet in a social club and it was it was March 76 one, one month after City had won the League Cup beating Newcastle 2-1
0: Dennis Chuet. Uh,
1: Dennis Chuet, an over, overhead kick and uh, for, so the players were there up on the stage Stewart uh, Mike Doyle Lisa Hartford Joe Corrigan with the League Cup and for For £1, you could pay to have your photograph taken with the League Cup. So me, Paul, and his mum had our photo taken with the League Cup.
0: The origin story of why you support Man City is because Paul Burns said, Who do you support? United. Don't support United, they're crap. Support City. Okay, then. And I love that. I also love that you didn't want to use the internet for information throughout this book. It's all in your noggin. And is that because you just remember all the commentaries from listening to Sport on 2? in the 70s and 80s. Yeah, and it was it was such a powerful,
1: powerful, powerful thing, you know, I, I, when you have this relationship, I suppose, with, with, with something in, in your life, and there wasn't internet, there wasn't all the mass media these days, and so I think every little... Every little morsel you get you just cherish and you remember um so much so much so much more and you know, I could still name every single FA Cup team and I mean every player in every single FA Cup team from about nineteen seventy five through to about nineteen ninety because they were such were such special uh, special occasions, and just stays in the memory. It just just stay there. And I was determined when I wrote the book. I thought, look, if I have to research research any of this, and it hasn't registered with me, so why would anybody else be interested in it? So um, so no 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 research apart from to confirm the odd date here and there.
0: I've actually taken to listening to football on the radio, and even now I find some of the commentators and summarizers a bit naff. So. I tend to look at Twitter and see what people are saying, especially during Watford. There's no point to do it when playing Man City because resistance, as we know, is futile when we're playing in Emirates State. But when you're in Singapore, refreshing an internet page at work, this is the period where you hadn't found that there were Irish bars with satellite connections. And it's after the period where Peter Jones passes away, authority, warmth and clarity. Do you think anyone currently working in... Football commentary has that authority and warmth that Peter Jones has uh,
1: I'm going I'm, I'm, I'm to declare a vested, vested interest here because uh, he wrote forward to... Good the answer.
0: Of yeah, that was a setup. <laughs> Peter Drury. I think Peter Drury... Is is a fantastic
1: commentator. So, so um, does the international feed for Sky. So, it's probably listened to by you know six hundred million people every every weekend. I think, I think on the TV, I do I do think he is he is the best there. But I do hark back to those days of people like Peter Jones and Alan Parry and some of you know, and, and more recently Alan Green. I thought was I thought was very very good. But I think, I think the nature of football has changed so that there is there is so much of it, um, and and so much of it happening in some three, four, five, six, seven times a week that that these voices do tend a little bit to to merge into in, in, into one at the moment, along with the you know the the, the, the pundits as, as as well. But yeah, Peter Dury very kindly wrote the forward to the book and did a great job.
0: It is a case now, and it, the point was made uh, this morning in the Times. You have Skulls and Owen. For BT, Carragher and Neville on comms, Keane and Souness in the studio. Am I watching a pundit TV station or am I watching a football station? Because Sky have peaked. There will be no more. We're talking on the day Netflix has allegedly peaked. We're not going to get any more people watching Sky. And that's because people younger than me just watch highlights. Because all the Why pay for a Sky subs? if all the highlights go online instantly and you can follow a game in other ways. I mean, Mark Gold... I don't know if there's a City version of Mark Goldbridge. Are you familiar with Mark Goldbridge?
1: No, I'm not. He's
0: he's actually a Forest fan. uh, And he sits and takes on the role of an angry Manchester United fan. And thousands of people watch him watch the game. It's Soccer Saturday reduced to the absurd. And that's not what I want in football coverage. Mm. I want Peter Drury and... That answers my question. Why do we have a Peter Drury commentary when we also have a Martin Tyler commentary? So within the UK, it's Martin Tyler, whereas the commentary that you got on that day at uh, the chamber with all the TV glitches that are lovingly reconstructed. I felt, felt so bad for you. It's Peter Drury's commentary.
1: Yes, it is. As I say, Peter does the the international feed, and uh, on the 12th of May, 13th of May 2012, I I ended up watching that QPR game, couldn't get a ticket in an open air plaza in Singapore called uh, Robertson Key. So, six or seven bars, big screens outside, a lot of Singaporeans wearing red United shirts, a lot of of Koreans actually, and a a, a few expats. And First half was all right, City leading 1-0 and then the second half suddenly, just just about the time QPR got that equaliser, the, the feed started um, started buffering and, uh, uh, and, and freezing and rebuffering and uh, a bit like City's performance, as I say in the book. And so, um, yeah, an, an agonising 45
0: minutes. When Watford finished second in the league, way behind Liverpool in 1983... Mm-hmm and got to the FA Cup final in 1984. We have an avatar in Elton John, who paid a million pounds of his money into the club. And when Elton was at Wembley crying during Abide With Me, he remembered seeing Watford in the fourth tier, seeing Barry Endine help Watford get to the semi-final of an FA Cup 15 years before. This does have a point, all this Watford stuff. In 2012, in the weeks after Man City won the... Premier League for the first time, the top tier for the first time in 34 years. 44 years? Mm-hmm. 44 years. 44, yeah. yeah. Yep. You were two, so you don't remember it. You must have thought about every fixture in Lincoln, York and Bournemouth. The, re- the double relegation in the 90s. The fact that Peter Swales hired a guy called John Maddock, who was a human shield and journalist. And Swales went through 11 managers and only won that mm-hmm. League Cup.
1: Yes, I did. I yeah, um, I went through went through everything on my on my on my journey, both both the football and my relation to the to the football, and and, and I suppose that that is where, in the weeks afterwards, that I thought about it, where where I actually thought, I thought there's a story here that is bigger than the football. There's a story that is bigger than Sergio Aguero's goal. If 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 it was possible to have something bigger than Sergio Aguero's goal, I thought there's a bigger. Biggest story here, and uh, and I thought, well, well, why why couldn't it be my story? Why shouldn't why shouldn't it be my story? And that is when I started to just write a few things down about my journey and relationship to to football, and, and uh, ultimately my obs- obsession, I, I suppose. So it was it was going through that process of, of thinking not only about the football results, but the the
0: relationship between those results and my, my, my life at the time. I just want to comment again on your prose because some of the writing here, I mean, you're an amateur. You're, you're, you work predominantly, um, well, you, you're in the cans and bottle industry.
1: <laughs> I started off in packaging, then moved, yeah, then moved into premium alcohol, yeah.
0: Yep. Yes, absolutely. And, anyway. and tasting alcohol from around the world, which is why this gin uh, is going to have, yeah. is, is it going to have a busy home? Are there lots of drinks in your house? Uh,
1: there are, but uh, Mrs. missus Denton's got her eye on it
0: already. It's lovely. I'm, cl- I'm glad Bohemian Brands could help. The book opens with you saying how you fell in love with football in 1974, the only football fan out of six kids. And there's a lot that we can't touch on here about your adopted brother, David. I'm, I'm fascinated by your sister, Rachel, who uh, went into religion and became a hermit. I'm completely fascinated by that. Uh, the fact that your grandpa passed away after eating yogurt—that wasn't the reason. That was, he had some yogurt <laughs> and then passed away. That's a mutually exclusive. Um, and then Sinjin Usher, whom we mentioned uh, in the in the first half of the show, from Sunderland to Kuala Lumpur—just um, yeah. amazing human stories here. But my favourite is the punchline to your first match, which I'm not going to give away. The first ever match ah, that you okay, went to. Okay which has yeah. a brilliant punchline. But the line that I love, do you remember this? You look like blank and feel <laughs> like blank. I looked
1: like Paddington and felt like Cinderella. Yeah, my sister reminded me of that the other day and uh, she she enjoyed that one as well. Yeah, yeah. I remember that, yes. I was eight. I had two older brothers who were nine and ten. My father had said we were gonna go to the they were gonna go to the football, but I was deemed to be too young to go along with them and I'd been pestering him for weeks that I wanted to go to the football, I wanted to go to the football and kept saying no then at about 12 o'clock I suppose on that on that Saturday, of November he said right, all those who want to get go to the football had better get ready, get your coat on get your hats on and I thought well all those who want to go to the football I want to go to the football lag. ran, got my coat, did it up stuck my Wellington boots on, stuck my hat on stuck by the front door and went I'm going to the football And he
0: took me. That's less romantic than my first game, which was actually at Highbury. We were guests of the next door neighbours in the box. Arsenal won. It was Wenger's third ever home game. But I was never an Arsenal fan because in my house, my grandpa was from Manchester. So we were always from the the red side of Manchester. But I went to Spurs because dad didn't want to take me to Watford. I'm sure if I grew up in Manchester, I'd maybe have been a blue. Because it would have been easier to get to City than United at that time. In the 1990s, yes. um, Julian Lescott. I hope that he toasts Sergio Aguero today because this show goes out on May the 13th. I think it'll actually go up to coincide with the moment that Manchester City won that league title because that error for the first QPR goal was disgraceful.
1: Well, well, he was a, he was a great player. Well, great, very good player for us, Julian. But in the big games, as I say, he always he always seems to have one mistake in him and a year ago I'd managed to get a ticket for the FA Cup final I'd gone to that game and it, he'd uh, let Kenwin Jones get the better of him and Joe Hart had come to his his, his rescue and it was um, it was almost a, a very similar point in the in, in the game 2012 where he just misjudged that, that ball above his above his head and it went off the almost the back of his head instead of the front of his head and uh, so he still had a bit of work to do but but boy did he do it and slammed it in
0: that 2011 Wembley Cup final, you got a corporate ticket. You were also in corporate when City went down in 1996 from what was the Premiership. So, mm-hmm. the fact that you actually feel um, withdrawn from that 1996 moment because you're not in amongst the crowd yeah. is interesting.
1: Yes, it was. It, it felt so so detached and and, 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 and unreal. And um, I needed I needed you know I was there sitting champagne red wine tv in the background because united won the league that that, that day showing united win, winning the league and having to be polite to my hosts and um i wanted to feel the pain i wanted something more more visceral and and, and emotional and i kind of looked down at the um, the old kickbacks and the, the the people below me and uh, yeah i did I, I wanted to i knew i should have been there rather than in in the box but it was um, my brother-in-law host me. He had an employer who had a box at, uh, at, uh, at Main Road.
0: We now have a Manchester City team with um, mm. skill and flair and brilliance across the park. Two great players in every position. Raheem Sterling is England's greatest talent, like John Barnes, um, a Jamaican, transplant. And I must say, Dickie, you do get your Football Library membership card. Would you want Joe Corrigan or Paul Lake Upon it as a kind of pictographic representative.
1: Oh, you know, I think I'd go. I'd go for Lake. Uh, Corrigan was my first ever, but but Lake just for me embodies so much around City at that time when I was going to just about every game home and home home and away in the in the nineties. He, he embodies the the hope, but ultimately the. I don't, I don't want to use the word failure because it wasn't failure on his part, but the the, the disappointment and, and the unfulfilled potential. It's the same age as me within 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 about six months, so his yeah. timeline's the same as the same as mine as, as, as well. So, yeah. yeah, it would be like
0: I love doing that. I would be in the same school year as Troy Deeney if we'd had the same <laughs> upbringing. Gary Lineker and Diego Maradona. If Maradona had been in Leicester, but or I if do, yeah. Lineker had been in yeah. Argentina, they would have yeah. been the same school year, and that amazes me. Maradona does make a cameo in this book because you say. Maradona cheering at the Etihad.
1: Yes, yes.
0: Because he was famously yeah. Sergio Aguero's father-in-law. Yes, and um, that was the 2012 game against United.
1: The, the, the Vincent company had uh, the one that put City on top with two games to yeah. go. Yes.
0: It really was the game that won it. Never mind Aguero. If it's about discovery and development in science, it's about the um, the Big Bang and then the planet forming. Yes. Um, yeah. I wanted to talk about the vicarious thrills that you had because I wrote this book about modern football and the best thing if you're not a footballer is actually to be a ref um, <laughs> which you describe as masochistic did yeah. you prefer here's the question that ties in at all the stuff did you prefer being a ball boy or being a referee oh that's,
1: that's a, a really good question never, never really thought about that I, th- I think being a a ball boy provided that in that moment exhilaration and and sense of status and sense of pride at school and 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 sense of real real privilege and that was fantastic. But but being a referee in terms of actually physically being in touch with the game and and uh, you know the next I well, was a great player so, so so being involved in the game and. In terms of learning about myself and developing myself, I suppose be, being a, a referee, it's a tough experience of being a referee because I did it when I was very young. I did it when I started when I was 15 in, in, in Leeds. And uh, um, so being a, a very young referee with not really exuding a lot of sort of authority was with, with, with tough and there were tough moments. But looking back on it, um, and you always look back with a little bit of those, those tinted glasses, I suppose, I, I'd probably go with being a referee. Yeah.
0: Uh, you, you paint it very well, although, yes, it wasn't particularly fun with the, the politics of it, with the, the officiousness of some of the characters. Yes. This is the yes. only book I've ever read where Noel Gallagher and Robbie Savage's dad both feature.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah. well, Robbie Savage's dad, Colin, worked in the same industry as me in the... Um uh, in the 1990s, can-making, so making beer cans, Coca-Cola cans. Uh, we worked we work for opposing companies. Then I actually happened to join one of my customers, so I moved into the beer industry. I joined Whitbread as it was in those days. Um, and we ended up with a meeting with one of our, our our suppliers, and Robbie Savage's dad happened to be there, sat next to me at a dinner. Um, this would have been around about 92. Uh, pulled and Pulled a photo out of his wallet and said to me, Dickie, you're into your football, aren't you? I said, yeah, yeah, I, I am, am, and he said, uh, and he pointed at uh, at a, a skinny little kid, blonde hair, hair, wearing a United shirt, pointed at him and said, this lad here, he's going to be a proper footballer. I said, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's who's he then? He said, it's my boy, Robbie. Um, and So that was a young Robbie Savage who was, who was United class of, class of 92 so uh, yeah worked with Robbie Savage's dad and then uh, uh, later bumped into um, about 10 years later Noel Gallagher in a pub in, 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 in Fulham after uh, after a 0-0 draw at Craven Cottage and um, interesting very happy to talk to City fans about, about, about football and, and have a pint in the pub if you wanted to talk about the band he didn't want to know you he no. was happy to talk about
0: the football. No, that's, that's what I love to do. If I meet someone in the public eye, I would go, I love your work, let's talk about something else, or talk about the music you yeah. like. But Noel is a great ambassador for City, and I think what I may do, why well, I need to do this, because I'm talking to Nadam Anua in a few weeks' time about his book, Kicking Back. Uh, I wonder if it's going to be as good a book as Against the World by Kevin Keegan, but uh, <laughs> Nadam and Noel Gallagher spoke for Nadam's Kickback podcast and Noel is the most famous Man City fan. He's your version of Elton John. But the Kevin Keegan uh, book, is it still in your collection? Have you still got the autographed copy? I
1: have, I have. This was, um, this was 1979, 1979. Again, the, the, the Junior Blues. I, I, I got my Junior Blues newsletter sent to me in Leeds, and it said, um, uh, competition this month is write a report on a Manchester City game. We've just beaten United 2-0 in the derby. Tony Henry had scored and Michael Robinson, God bless him, the mm. late Michael Robinson. Um had curled one in. So I, I wrote a report on uh um on on the match, two 0 victory. Won the book. They 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 sent me the book, much to my surprise and even more to my parents' surprise, i had, I had written something something half decent. And then later when it was when it was ball boy, it would have been the following following season, um, City were playing Southampton and, and uh, Keegan was at Southampton by then, so I thought, well, you know. Take the, take, the, take the book along. And he he walked in with his, his Southampton teammates. It would have been, you know, Nick Holmes, Alan Ball, those those, those players in those days, Steve Williams. And uh, rushed out of my little ball boy's room, put it in front of him and said, will you sign this for me, Kevin? And uh, he duly obliged.
0: Lovely man. Still, Still with, with us. And, of course, ex-manager of Man City and Fulham. It'll be the Kevin Keegan X-Man, derby yes. next season because... Fulham have just bounced back at the first attempt. Mitrovic has scored 40 goals. By the time this goes out, you may well have scored the most in the second tier that has ever been, but he's far too good for that division, Mitrovic. And he's got the right manager, Marco Silva. Um, there are several fantastic passages in this book, Feeling Blue, a true story of love, life and belonging. I just wanted to ask why you didn't feel the same belonging, given what I know about the brass band community, with the band that you were in.
1: Well, you... I suppose playing it. I wasn't that good to start with, to be perfectly honest. You know, I I, I was a very poor third euphonium in the, in the in in the lead school senior brass band, uh, and then in in, in my sc- school band, it wasn't great. So, um, you know, when the when the first opportunity came to kind of stop doing this sort of stuff and do do other stuff like like refereeing, I kind of I kind of um, kind of took it. In fact, my the the, the climax of my brass band career was playing the euphonium. Whilst while City got relegated in 1983 um, against uh, against Luton um, at a school concert with earplugs in, listening to the commentary at the same time as, um, as trying to play the Radetsky March,
0: which that is just and then the the symbol crash was the um, again fantastic prose um, better than a lot of footballers. Um, the symbols crash and City go down. Interestingly. The Luton City game with um, Radiantic, that was the Radiantic game, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah, Yeah. absolutely.
0: Televised. Uh, The Ricky Beer final, televised. The Aguero goal, televised. I think City are a great TV product because there are certain years of hopelessness and then the rest is hopefulness. And at this time, twenty. well, you, you say in the 2000s, the mundane ordinariness gave way to expectations. City were on the poor side of average. Would you say you're on the excellent side of excellent now, given that you're about to play Real Madrid?
1: Yes, I would. I would say it's absolutely fantastic. But I would caveat this and say, if we, if we score the winning goal in the Champions League final, I will celebrate that, that no more than I celebrated Dikov's goal. To get us out of the third tier, or we didn't even get us out of the third tier. It was the equaliser in nineteen, in nineteen ninety nine. Because that's the moment you're in at, at at the time, and all success is is, is relevant, you know, to, to where you are. Um, and that's why I talk about the the averageness, because there was there was nothing worse in those years between about two thousand and 2007, where we were just. Drifting and going nowhere, and and it we're an ordinary mid-table Premiership club who couldn't compete with with, with the United and Liverpool and and, and the Arsenal. We're no danger of going down. And uh, you know, I put it in the book. You know, the, often the most interesting thing at main on, on main road on the Etihad pitch was the um, the innovative markings drawn by the groundsman.
0: Yeah, it does look like a great pitch, as we will see. Three times as we talk in the next week: Brighton tonight, Watford on yeah. Saturday. Where you could play your kids. You, you play Liam Delap; he'll score five. And um, it's a sh- it must be a shame for Liam Delap because he was sure he was going to break through next season, and now you're going to sign Holland, and that is his career done. I write in my book, uh, "From Kids to Champions," which has Robert Savage on the front. Uh, which, as this goes, this show goes out, will be out on Monday. That Patrick Roberts. What a waste of talent. He should be at Fulham, captaining England, and instead he's <laughs> at Sunderland trying to get them out of the third tier. It's not, yeah. it's not smart. And that is an example of wasted. Yeah, you can big up Foden all you want, but I'd love to speak to Nader Manua, which I will be doing, and ask him about yeah. the Etihad campus and its role at Manchester City. Because there's Ben Wilkinson, Howard Wilkinson's son, is in charge of the youth team. It doesn't okay. matter if they win right. or lose.
1: Doesn't matter. I think the model has changed, though, hasn't it? From, from 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 back in the day when when I was growing up, or when you had where where, where you develop players to play in your in your first team and, and, and bring, the, bring them bring them through. And I think the model I both it was kind of I suppose Chelsea, who probably really started initiating it, that, is is you you almost sweep up young talent and then develop that talent in the best possible way, knowing that they might not necessarily. Play for your first team, but you will sell them on, and and possibly with buyback clauses, and 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 get money in for them, which will then fund the academy, and that is what I suppose City have been doing for the last few years with the, with the sales that they have made from the academy. The for likes of Diaz, and, yeah. and Lucas, and, and yeah, and Diaz and Nemechek, and, and, and I think that. That, that whole model of the Academy has has now changed. But but in my heart and heart do I would I have loved to see Delap break through? Yes, and Tommy Burns is another hopeful and, and Bellwood Ellis who's at Stoke is mm-hmm. another hopeful. Will they will they yeah. be Fodans or will they make it in the city team? I I, 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 I don't know.
0: Yeah. But Well the the I model definitely. is Tosin. Mm-hmm. Tosin has done brilliantly yeah, yeah. at Fulham.
1: Absolutely, yeah. But I do hark back to the day when, when, when I, you know, five or six Manchester lads or local lads are playing in the in the team. I talk about in in, in the book when I'm when I'm I'm going to a reserve game at Main Road because I'm a, a ball boy. I had to do reserve games, and at the bottom of Utre Road, I get on the number 48 uh, bus, and and on that um, on that bus, uh, Steve McKenzie gets on that bus. So Steve, McKen- this is one year. Before he scored that twenty-five-yard volley in the nineteen eighty-one FA Cup final, you know, he gets off the bus, the, the bus at the same stop as me, and we walk in the players' entrance together. I go to the uh, the ball boys' changing room. He goes into the uh, um, into the seniors' uh, changing room. And um, but those days are gone. It's not going to happen like that anymore.
0: Although one thing is certain, however good Paul Dickov, Paul Lake, Joe Corrigan's shirts were, these synthetic polymers that make up City's home strip would please your father, I would imagine.
1: <laughs> yes, my father was a textile scientist. He was—he was not a football man at all. He was a university lecturer. He started off in the textile industry, I had six kids, and uh, realised the textile industry was was. Um, uh, probably on its feet, on its lost legs in the UK with with the investment in the Far East, and so took a job in academia at Leeds University um, with a textile scientist. But indulged uh, my passion and um, and took me to my first football matches. Um, strictly rationed, one a year. <laughs> Had to be Man City Leeds because my brother supported Leeds and I supported City, so he could kill two birds with one stone and uh, would queue up for the tickets and um, go to um, City Leeds every year.
0: Has David, you say in the acknowledgement, much of this story evokes painful memories because he was of um was Indian descent and was adopted yes, yes. by your yes, family. Right. And some of the thankfully, in some ways, but not others, I think it's more um invisible the racism of today. But the yeah. th- back then it was just un well Sad. It's sad looking back on that time. But has he read the book? He knows your story, obviously. Does he know yes. just how much you've, City has impacted your life?
1: Yes, he has read the book because I, I kind of wanted him to corroborate some of it. And I put a lot of this to the back of my mind and when I wrote the book. More and more of it came out and it helped me understand my relationship with City and and why it was such a strong relationship of of identity and and a safe place for me and a place where where I felt I belonged so I kind of said did this really happen and and, and corroborated with him and and we read it and we've we've spoken it together and uh, I didn't share it with my my father because he had dementia in his final years and it would have been too much for him to process because a lot of this stuff I I kept back from from my parents because I just it was the way I was I just kept it myself but I I shared it with my mother as well and, and we had we had long conversations about it, and uh she wasn't surprised by any of it, and and and, and fully understood. And we had good conversation about it. But yeah, spoken to to, to David, and it, and it, yeah, absolutely gets yeah. it all. And five brothers and sisters, and and um, none of them were particularly surprised by it.
0: And hopefully, your um nieces and nephews will appreciate this book. At least they know what they're getting for Christmas or the next birthday. <laughs> Uh, it's Feeling Blue, a true story of love, life and belonging by Dickie Denton, who was the subject of your sister Kathy's thesis. Did she do well with it?
1: Uh, yes, she did. She did very well about it. So um, so my sister was a very successful uh, uh, marketeer uh, and then took a career break in when she had children in the you know, mid-30s, early forties and did an open university degree and decided to go into occupational psychology. Uh, so, as part of part of a thesis for that degree, she did write um, a piece on the um, the trials and tribulations and the suffering and perseverance of Manchester City fans in adversity um, and most of that was based on the fact that uh, I was living in in Bedfordshire for a while, but would often call in in her house near Sheffield just on the way up to city games and sometimes stay up there the weekend so in, the, in most of the 90s, it would be um, unloading my axe uh, on her and my brother-in-law. Uh, her oldest boy was born in, in 2000, and, uh, of course, I made him a junior blue as a christening present. And uh, he's, he's, he's the only one of my nieces and nephews who is still a City fan.
0: Yeah, well, one out of however many is, yeah, is not bad. 15, yeah. One out yeah, of 50. Yeah. Jesus, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you yeah. know who's going to get all your money when you... Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, you're, but you lost both your parents while writing this book and it's just a credit yeah. to their memory that you have been able mm. to talk about them and your siblings mm. and all the friends that you've gained just for supporting the same wonderful football team who, 10 years ago, did this. And there are two minutes to play. Manchester United's game is over.
1: Balotelli. Aguero! Oh my god!